Season two of Slasher Tracks. Slasher Tracks. I am your stepmother. I'm Aaron. I'm Sloan. When we're back. And I'm your stepmother. I have to say it after you guys. That's just (laughs) how it works. We're not changing things up that much in season two. We're back with episode 14. We're uh, here watching a spinoff movie before we jump into our next series post Hellraiser here. Um, and this one was Cody's recommendation. Mm-hmm. It sure was. What was it, Cody? It was. It follows. It's a great movie by the wonderful, beautiful... Sensual. You gotta look up his David name. David Robert Mitchell. I did have to look it up. It's okay. <laughs> I, I don't think he's particularly beautiful, but... Um, no, not beautiful. Um, I will say, spooky. though, I really, really liked this one. Yeah, it was a really um, good movie. If you didn't like it, I would have been mad, because I think it's a really fantastic movie. It's I great. straight up... if I think everybody would like this movie. If you like any horror movie ever... Um, yeah, I would I would agree that I think it's very very universal. I yeah. think it's you, there's no way to not like it. So this uh, came out in 2014, um, and this was kind mm-hmm. of in the beginning of this newest wave of horror movies not sucking. Yeah, um, I read uh, a, a review for it um, that was like, "Well, this is a breath of fresh air because everything is either torture porn or uh, point of view," which that's which not the way true. it is that anymore. Huge... But yeah. It was definitely like a huge, huge cultural blemish. Um, maybe not a blemish because those those genres do have their own merits. But when they're so overdone, it gets to be very yeah. redundant. I like them, but I like gross, stupid shit, and it's not something that's going to make the general moviegoer take horror movies seriously at all. So I'm glad mm. to see this was one of the first movies to kind of push past that. I did have a fun time looking at the... So I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes just to see, and it got 95% from critics, but 66 from audiences. So I was like, who are what? these dummies that are giving it one star? And I read through huh. them. They are indeed just idiots. Just idiots. Like, people saying, like, I wasn't here to watch a drama. Like, there were people that were upset that it was a movie that happened to be scary instead of just slashing tits off of girls, it seemed like. Hmm. That's preposterous. There's a lot of typos, a lot of poor grammar in the one-star reviews, so, like, you can't take them seriously. Yikes, yikes. yikes. So, what about the two-star reviews? Because I feel like that's another important I demographic. focused on just the one-stars. You know, two-stars are... That's a good point, because one-stars are I like, think. I hate it, I hate everything. That's true. Suck on my ween. But then two is like, you know, I just didn't like it at all. Yeah, sometimes they shine more direct light on actual issues rather than just, like... Just like in Amazon, you know, you get a one-star review and they say, my product didn't ship, and you're like, oh, well, (laughs) thanks for for ruining everything. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so. Is there uh, anything else about the beginning 
stats of this movie or anything you guys want to talk about or do you want to jump into i'm ready to my toes are already in the water a little bit all right let's follow it so we start with a beautiful cold open without any music no credits no title card we are just in a neighborhood following a frantic girl oh yeah yeah it's great um it sets the mood there's some like you can tell already that the colorization of the movie is going to be kind of like this um or at least some of the time it's going to be this kind of like drab sort of dry feeling to it okay um you didn't like you didn't feel are you talking about like the color temperature of of the movie yeah, yeah. At least in this opening scene, it seemed a little bit like the saturation was pulled down a little bit. Hmm. It seemed a little bit more um, grittier and grosser. Interesting, because I, I picked up on a slightly different thing a little bit later down the road here. Um, no, no, I think that's definitely true. I definitely think there was definitely playing with the color balance in order to achieve different things. Yeah, there's um, a lot of weird subliminal things kind of like that just in the background of this movie. She's running out of the building, and uh, her I think it's her dad is trying to, to get her to come back inside. There's definitely a dad, yeah. So he finally, he gets her to come inside, and then she blasts outside again, and just runs away. Yeah, the next thing we really see is just like... Her giving up. Yeah, her giving up and sitting on a beach, and you're just like, huh, huh, just sitting there, and she's looking out, and then right after that, we just have a, a it, it, there's lots of really nice music here. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's going to be like a jump scare coming up any second. And there isn't, there isn't like a big like, with some scary music and like a jump scene of her dead. It's just like a picture of her dead and her leg mutilated. And... Yeah, her leg is, like, broken so bad that it's bent backwards towards her, so it oh, seems yeah. that whatever it was, whatever was happening, she just kind of gave up and let it take her because she couldn't, like, run away from this yeah. thing anymore. right before this, she had, she calls her parents, like, I love you guys, I, I, I love mm-hmm. all of you, I'm so sorry. Um, but, yeah, it's like that she's kind of giving up, and that's... That's our intro to this movie, um, which I thought was cool. It had me kind of intrigued from the very beginning. Um, but it cuts from that to present day. We're in a pool. With our, We meet our main character, Jay. She likes to swim in her above-ground pool. She has some creepy little kid neighbors that like to watch her. And mm-hmm. this whole being watched by creepy neighbor kids is going to take on a different kind of tone later. So it's kind of setting up how things are about to change for her we see her friends and this girl yara her name is yara apparently that's clamshell phone she has yeah, a she's the, the one with the clamshell it's, it's, a, it's like a phone or an e-reader or something she's reading on it it's it's like a nintendo ds like two screens on the in the but the it looks clam. like clamshell it looks like yeah. a like a vintage like an compact. actual shell yeah like a it reminds yeah. me of Which it reminded funny. me like of a like a vintage shell. compact type thing that's like stylized but then like because it just like so also in uh jay's house it's everything is very like just it's almost it's a mix Retro. of different vintage mm-hmm. things. There's like t- a television from like the 50s or 60s, but then the couch is from the 70s, and then there's like a dresser that's from the 80s. And they're watching and... a monster movie from like the 30s. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, the movie is actually um, Killers from Outer Space from oh, no 1954. Oh. Um, I was off, but... Yeah, you know. I, they're also watching a different movie later, um, Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women, That's which has awesome. some interesting connections that I can... Actually, it's not really super interesting, but um, a little small connection that I'll bring up later. Speaking of the e-reader, did anybody write down uh, the thing that Yara was reading throughout the movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all of them. Mm. Um, oh, I thought there was just one like one the- book. Yeah, maybe. I'm it's, sure it was um, on purpose. This guy is weird. It's a book called The Idiot. Hmm. Um, but that that also has something that I'll touch on a okay. bit later. Okay. I'd like to bring up a really big part here that I underlined in my notes. It says girl farts. Yeah, that was Yara. She has a clamshell <laughs> phone and she farted really loud and she's just like pounding around, not, you not giving a You don't see a lot of girl farts in cinema. <laughs> you don't. Um, not that I'm specifically into that, but I just appreciated that. I like um, that she farted and then later we got a close up of her butt. It's like women are more than one thing, you know? okay sure we also meet uh so jay has a younger sister named kelly kelly she's like kind of rebellious little sister uh she smokes cigarettes and then we also meet paul he's the skinny boy that obviously had a has a crush on jay paul is a fucking loser he's not a loser he is a beta orbiter aaron paul paul is trash um, from the beginning, I hated Paul. I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't stand that little. I thought dork. he was sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have many many thoughts really. Um, we do hear um a really pleasant synth based song while Jay is putting on her lipstick, getting all prettied up for her date. Um, With her puka shell necklace. actually is a song in the soundtrack called Jay. And it's Hmm. just really nice, kind of, if you're familiar with, you know, the Stranger Things 80s synth-wavy kind of stuff, it was pretty reminiscent of of that. Um, And I liked it, and I jotted it down. And I think it's important, yeah, I think it's really important to note here that this came out two years prior to Stranger Things. Oh, good point. Good point. Because, yeah, it, a lot of times the soundtrack was kind of making me think of this newer revival of, you know, 80s synth fake nostalgia stuff, which yeah, I'm and, into, by the way. Yeah, and this was my first time watching it since watching Stranger Things. I have, I've kind of put on hold for a few years since I've watched it the first time, and definitely is very very reminiscent so i feel like if anyone's watched stranger things and then watches this it's almost a glaring comparison Mm -hmm. i think it's impossible not to note it yeah um let's go to the movie theater line they play a weird game yeah so um jay goes on a date with her i think we had the idea that like maybe jay's in high school maybe a senior in high school and she's going on a date with a guy who's 21 mm-hmm. he says his name is hugh mm-hmm. and she wants to play this game that she plays with people where it's like you look around and you pick the person that you would want to be out of everybody in this crowd and then the other person guesses who you picked and they I, think they get it right i like that game a lot that sounds fun and so they play the game and hugh ends up picking this little boy because he's like, cause he's got his whole life ahead of him. And he can that pee was, whenever he wants. Yeah, total bathroom freedom. <laughs> like, what? You can you have more freedom to pee as an adult. Like, you don't have teachers Hugh, telling you no. Hugh, shut the fuck up. That was my first red flag for this character. Yeah. What a weirdo. 
Mm-hmm. So they're they're so yeah. Jot down the red flag, and we're in the movie theater, um, and they're still playing this game and looking around in the movie theater. Um, uh, basically, they are sitting in there, and he is trying to guess hers, and she he turns around, and he goes, "Hey, what about the oh, what about the girl in the yellow dress?" And she turns around and she says, "What girl in the red dress?" Or yellow dress. God damn, yellow dress. <laughs> Turns around, points at her. Jay can't pick out this person in the yellow dress. So they promptly and swiftly leave the movie theater without seeing any of the movie. Yeah, he's freaked no out. No questions asked. They just lost yeah, out of like $30. Um, but he's, he's real freaked out. Um, and you know what? That was pretty creepy. Um, that was kind of the beginning of things getting a little strange with this, these characters. I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but also just of this like time thing where it's like a lot of different time periods and like setting this mood that's a little unsettling. While they're at the movie theater, it is a super vintage organist. vibe. There's an oh, organist right. that is playing, and also their seats are very old looking, so it almost like mm-hmm. feels like they're. It just like reminded me sometimes that they were supposed to be ghosts or something, like put in the wrong time period or something. Are they like these yeah, timeless yeah. creatures mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, I think that's something. This is where I start to write this all down in my notes too. How how there's just a juxtaposition of all different kinds of time period stuff mashed in. And you were Cody, you were mentioning the color grading earlier on. I was picking up kind of a modern bluish hue, almost like action movie ish color scheme, while it was showing us like suburbia '60s looking stuff. Just I, intentionally yeah, I not going. Entirely. Like it was, it was just weird, and it, it yeah. threw you off. I definitely feel like that was one of the things that they used to off balance the viewer. I, it seems like in almost every aspect, they tried to find some way to make you at least feel like this doesn't seem right. Um, I don't know if this is completely relevant to where we are in the plot, but um, throughout the film, they're wearing different um, types of attire of clothes. Yeah. Sometimes they're wearing t-shirts. Sometimes they're wearing jackets. Sometimes Sometimes they're wearing wearing just like lighter stuff. They're always wearing all different kinds of clothing. The color gradient shifts so much from super saturated, bright colors to like dark and kind of dingy colors. Um, the time period itself is ambiguous. Uh, there's so many things that make it feel like kind of like a surreal dreamlike state. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you told me this, I'm a pretty cynical guy. I might think that that's just some guy, some director up his own ass, and I might not be into this concept. But I thought that that really worked. I was just kind of thrown off and... I don't know. It gets you off off your guard a little bit. Mm. I thought it was working really well. I feel like it also makes you look for like a hidden clue in this. Like, why are these yeah. things? Like, mm-hmm. it makes you like search for a reason for it. But yes. then also, like, is there even a point to this? Is this just to make me uncomfortable and thrown off? But speaking of the mixing of time periods, so we do have one thing that does give us put us in modern days. You see modern cars, but the love interest boys all have very well-kept yeah. uh, vintage cars. Like, old cars that are not beat up and old. Like, Hughes car. Yeah. 
Which, oh, uh, yeah. do we want to go to what happens next with Hugh yeah, and we're Jay? Let's talk about the and car that, bang. And that sweet vintage car that is yeah. real kept up. We're going to see our first penetration in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't see the penetration. You Come see on. it all no. from the perspective of the balls. Anyway, you can edit that out. Um, I think this one's yours, Aaron. Yeah, this is up to you, bud. <laughs> leave, um, leave the nuts in. <laughs> that I would be a terrible movie director. Um, so, yeah, they're the beach making out and things escalate quickly to ball play. Um, intercourse, if you will. And... She goes on this monologue about, oh, we're getting older now, and, like, the summer's over, and I can't even remember. It I was, kind of liked it. I thought it was a bit much, and apparently I he did, like too. I feel like it's central to the movie, almost. Yeah. She's talking about getting older, and how she just kind of wants to go on a date and just, like, hold somebody's hand. She's just talking about kind of, like, the innocence of, like feeling good from like dates i feel like that was a big portion of it i got from it like maybe she was supposed to because we we, we've already gotten the idea too that like mom isn't super present we don't see the dad yet thinks that maybe the dad's dead and i thought that maybe this little speech she was doing too is maybe like a kid that grew up too fast yeah like had this idealized version of what she thought being a teenager would be and it just hasn't been and I just, described yeah. it real cynically now, but yeah. I didn't hate it at the time. Yeah, um, it was. I think almost on a second watch, you'd respect it more. Yeah, because what she's saying is very much what she does not get to have. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, now that we're talking this out, I, I think, yeah, it worked. And uh, the boy didn't care for the speech because he chloroforms her. Um, <laughs> he might have liked it. He just did what he had to do. Yeah, that was crazy abrupt, but not so abrupt because there's this moment where she just has to realize she's losing consciousness in that car. I kind of was... liked that too, though, the way they didn't have her insta pass out from chloroform. Mm. Because, yeah, was... one, that's not how it works, and two, it gives like a kind of maybe. Maybe more intense. No, it's not quite as intense. Well, if not, it's comparably intense to the intro with the uh, whatever chasing the girl. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just as intense as yeah. that. It, there's just as much as intensity and fear of danger there. Yeah, it's very scary. Like, usually that precludes, like, a sexual assault or something. So we know that something really horrible is about to happen to her. Yeah, it was freaky and it was out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, again, got us off our guard. Uh, she wakes up in a torture chair, um, kind of in this... Yeah, she's like tied... She's in her underwear still, and she's tied to a wheelchair under a bridge. And yeah. Hugh is standing behind her in the distance. I'm not gonna hurt you, is what he says. But, well, it's not looking great for her. Um, this is when he describes the concept of It Follows. Cody, do you want to tell us what what it is? Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to tell you what it is, at least as far as um, the context of what we're given. Um, Hugh describes it as it a thing, not any anything more or less a thing that will follow you. 
it comes at you all the time. It's not quick, but it's smart. Um, and it will just come your way until you die. And if she dies, it'll come for him. And he doesn't give too much more than that. Mm-hmm. He does say, um, too, it can look like someone you know or a stranger. Oh, yeah. So it can Very look sorry. like all different kinds of people. But that's, I think, worth noting. It could be a stranger or it could be someone you know. could be yeah, more frightening yeah, than the circumstances. whatever person it chooses. Um, and he proceeds to just hold her in this chair, looking manically around the like weird parking garage that they're in. Uh, until he sees it and lets this thing get grossly close to them so mm-hmm. she can mm-hmm. see that it's real. Yeah. Um, it's in his best interest to have her fully believe this so she doesn't just die immediately because then it will go and then come for him. down the list and kill him again or go for him again. Um, so he was, he was looking out for number one, but in a way he was helping her with this a little heavy hand with the chloroform, but um, it did help her not die, mm. I guess. Um, I thought uh, this this concept is well, He also tells good. her to get rid of it as fast as she can, mm-hmm. which I just yeah. think is it's just it like, it's interesting, like the different approaches that different people have to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess we didn't explicitly say it's transmitted... It moves on to the next person through sex. Yeah. So, Just, yeah, once she had sex with somebody else, it would be after that person, not her. But if it killed that person, then it would be coming for her. And then if it killed her, it would go back to Hugh and down the and line. Back. And that's also because it's transmitted sexually is why you maybe have heard of this movie referred to as like the STD horror yeah, movie. And, uh, that's what I knew of it as. That does but it so much injustice. No, it makes it sound... Yeah, it's very reductive. Yeah. I, d- I never watched this because I just heard about that and it made it sound, sound like, like, it was, like a shit... Like, like a weird, teen dumb teen, teen slasher yeah. is what it sounds it could like. Be, it could be transmitted via high fives. The concept is the same. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, yeah. because it, it by having that description, it makes it sound like it's one of those movies where you, you know, the classic trope of getting punished for sex in horror movies, but it does it like a different kind of mm-hmm. thinking of it. Anyway, we could talk about that more later when we talk about the theories yeah, and the meaning behind the movie. Hugh just takes her and just drops her off. They just rush yeah. to the car and just drops her off almost dehabilitated yeah. it at, in the front of her house. Just oh, right. Just plops yeah, her she off is in, worn in front out of her from her little adventure. The cops get called. Chloroform um, hangover. One of the few times that adults are very omnipresent is in that moment when there's cops everywhere um, just trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to uh, cut to the classroom scene. Classroom scene's great. It is great. She's in class, you know, probably pretty stressed out about the shit that's going on, but... Um, Not knowing if it's real yet. What the fuck was that? Just mm-hmm. trying to pay attention in class. Can and you imagine, too, you also got chloroform, so you can't really know. So you would have been really foggy. It might have felt like a blackout or something. And mm-hmm. then you're like, what? How much of that was even real? And For she, sure. She's, uh, she's in the class in the back of the room. And she looks out the window, and she sees this old woman way out in the background, slowly 
slowly walking towards her. But right to her. Can I mention something very quickly here? Yeah. Yes, please. Um, While this is occurring, the teacher is reading T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J. Alfred Provfrock, Provfrock, which is also very, very relevant. Oh. I'll get in get more into it later, but I just wanted to mention hmm. now that it was being read over okay. this scene. All these like media within the movie I did not pick up on at all or look into, so I'm I'm excited to hear a yeah, little bit too. more I'm about that later. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to hear what the connection is. Um so so yeah, at this point it's really sinking in for me how good of a of a concept this is. How scary it actually is because you never know if someone walking towards you is this thing that's going to kill you or just a normal person mm-hmm. forever? It's so effective. I don't know. I I loved it. And so she decides that, yes, this old woman is actually coming for her. So she gets out of her class and the teacher's like, excuse me, excuse me. But she just leaves. She's in the hallway. And boom, this freaky old lady is still walking closer to her. This is... Uh, it follows, and it is very real at this point. So she runs off. She's really freaked out, and she like she's like, fuck, this is real. She's trying to convince her friends and her sister that this is real, and they decide, like, it's okay. You're okay. I think at this point, they're not really, I don't think they necessarily believe her, because this is crazy, but they think that she went through yeah. something really traumatic, so they're like, we're going to stay with mm-hmm. you tonight. We're all going to stay at your house. We're going to make sure you're okay. And you know who, of course, is making sure she's safe. Skinny Paul. Paul. Cuck boy Paul. I like Paul. Paul is a loser. Um, <laughs> and so he mean. is. So it's. You find out in this scene that they're. Paul, it's kind of like old family friends. Like they grew up together. Um, or childhood friends. Childhood yeah. Friends. They had their first yeah. kiss, yeah. Jay and Paul. Mm-hmm. Were and you first know, kiss. he's been cranking it to her ever since. She hasn't even thought of him that way. But dude is. Turn himself into ground beef, thinking of Jay. And what does that even mean, Aaron? You know, you like a meat crank. Oh, Aaron! <laughs> I don't know. So he he is like, I'll, I'll stay on your couch and I'll keep you safe because I'm ninety pounds and I'll be able to fight off a supernatural force. But also, it, he doesn't. I don't think he entirely believed. Yeah, he didn't believe it at this point. He's There's just no there way. to make yeah, sure that she yeah, feels that's safe. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, so they're, they're talking, they're on the couch. He's probably about to try the move where he's like, if you were a pirate, would your bird be on this shoulder (laughs) or this shoulder? He's trying, he's pre-making a move. You know, he's chubbing, but then boom, glass break. A window is broken. And at this point, I think everybody should be freaked the fuck out because what she's saying is at least partially true and not just figments of her imagination. Yeah, yeah. They don't care as much as I would have thought. Well, Paul goes into the kitchen and he's like, the window is broken, but don't worry, there's nobody here. And he's like, just come this way, let's just go this way. And so she goes into the kitchen, though, after everybody's left her alone, for some reason, don't leave her alone. And there's a lady looking real disheveled who stares at her, starts walking towards her, and pisses all over the floor. It's very disturbing. It's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Very <coughs> pissy. Jay is obviously super freaked out. Like, here it is. It followed me to my house. And she mistakenly 
classic, it was a very classic horror mistake. Runs up stairs. Oh, Never run upstairs. We're yelling yeah. at run the outside. movie at this point. Never run upstairs. Uh, if this is all real, Jay, remember the advice that you got. I know you were chloroformed. And just like, remember but... movies you've seen. Don't go yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was I also reminding like of Halloween, can't though. Can't do that. Because that was also like a thing that happened in Halloween, and the street reminds me of mm-hmm. Halloween, oh, it... and I wasn't sure if this was actually a nod to it, but it definitely reminded me of it in this moment. So she goes upstairs and locks herself in her room, right? In her sister's room, I think, yeah. Okay. She's freaking out, obviously. She just saw some sort of like disheveled-looking human that she knows isn't a human. She knows it's the thing. She knows it's it. And she's trying to convey that to her friends. She's like, you, 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 it's here. It's coming to get me. And they're like, dude, there wasn't anything there. There's no reason to be afraid. Um, they hear a knock at the door. And she's like, don't, don't, don't open it. Don't open it. Oh. Don't, just don't open it. And they're like, cool it. We're going to take care of you. If it's something that's not supposed to be there. You know, we'll we'll work on it. We'll 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 take care of it. Don't worry. There's a few of us here. Door opens, and it's Yara. And Yara's just like, "Hey!" And then from behind her, Ugh. a seven foot seven man Ugh. comes crawling out from behind Ugh. her. Oh, I hated it so much. It is, I think, the single most scary scene in the movie. It gives I me the so. creeps I'm every time. I'm goosebumping all over even remembering this part. Because you're like, oh, phew, it was just, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's very much he just appears out of the blackness from behind Yara. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. very much just like kind of comes out of nowhere, it seems. And it's super effective. super fucking scary. I believe there's a good blah. Yeah. There. Oh, they hit it's- you with these freaky blahs. Now, Cody, you mentioned seven foot seven specifically. Um, is that yeah, I looked you up this into? guy. Is that I a real looked, person? That is a real person. Seven foot seven. He was the tallest person in Michigan. Unfortunately, oh. he died two years ago. Oh, too man. big. Yeah, too um, big. yeah. Well, like it was just dogs. a classic case of being too big. Like Great Dane um, syndrome. It's a very, very common thing to people that have any sort of. Uh, giantism or just are extremely big their organs just have to work extremely hard to produce whatever they need to produce it's There's generally heart the heart has to work too it hard has to, to move produce the blood everything. so far yeah, yeah yeah to get that blood all throughout the body so generally pe- people just have heart failure so he died at 48 he did not look that old in the film ah. he, he uh, looked like 30 or something yeah so that was freaky and they so they can't see this guy. Yeah, so we find out that uh, if you have this, like, I've been writing it down as the disease, then you, only the people affected by the disease can see it. But they can see, like, the same person at the same time. They can see the it, but mm. only they can see it. Nobody even, else So can. even if you aren't the one being pursued, yeah. you still can see it. Yes, yes. Um, so if you're they, together, it could get you bop bop. And how do they get past this? I don't remember. Uh, she goes out the window. Okay. Yeah, she goes out the window, crawls down some stuff, uh, and gets runs in... to a swing set. Where yeah, she runs to a, to a park. Her... Yeah, yeah. And she's just sitting on a swing set trying. It almost looks like she gives up a little bit, but like her friends come and are like, yeah. hey, yo, what did you just do? <laughs> and they think the best way to take care of her is they're like, hey, beach house. Enter Greg. Beach house. 
Was Greg the one that drove them there, Yeah, too? Greg did all the driving. Greg is the scummy neighbor guy. He only wears sweatpants. He never puts on denim or anything besides sweatpant material. He's got a denim, like, vest. But he only like wears sweatpants. On he only wears sweatpants. He's also, a, like, a cute boy with a vintage car that's very well-kept. And he's a across-the-street neighbor. Greg is everything that Paul can never be. Confident, aloof. Cool. Just not giving a fuck. Probably yeah. smells oh, yeah. kind of bad, but like In chicks dig it and yeah. he knows Musk. it. I was going to say, so once again, beach house. Yeah. Beach, beach house. Beach You should try to get travel as far as you can. And maybe if you're going to go bang somebody, bang someone far away. So it's going to take a minute. Mm. And if and you're going to go far away and bang, what better place to do it than the beach house? The beach. Um, with your friends that all live right next to you, and you aren't actually going like, to have sex with anybody, but... Anyway. Buy some time well, anyway. Um, it's Greg's like family's beach house. It's far away. And they're hanging. And then they're on the beach. And they're... Dude. Dude. It is so creepy. So her friends it, yeah. have a reason to believe her. Do you guys want to describe the reason they finally fully, fully believe her? Ugh. Sure. They are just fucking palling around at the beach. Yara's in the lake. Sounds like a minor detail, but it's also something that I'll get back to. Um, The rest of them are all hanging out on the beach. They're just hanging out, you know, just relaxing. Um, And then from back yonder in the beach, uh, you, you see what looks to be Yara walking towards them and you're like but she's in the water and she you just see it walking closer regular walking speed and like you just see a shot of just like jay's hair just like up i hate everyone's like ugh, ugh, what is this yeah, that was Paul tries looking. to swing a chair. He gets thrown back. He gets um, thrown like feet, like ten feet, and he like it like looks like it bashed him in the face yeah. or something. It looks. It reminded me of like paranormal activity. Yes, yes. It very yeah, felt. Yeah. It felt like very ghostly. But then, but it's like ghostly, but also it can interact with the physical world fully because we see it doesn't just. It's not that it just can hurt Jay. It can hurt Paul too. Yeah, Paul's yeah. tiny body has these like. Bruise. Bruised yeah. stripes on it. And so then, then what happens? Oh, there's a gun involved. The, uh, yeah, Jay goes Greg, and to grab the gun in the little shed. Yeah, Greg was trying to show Jay. I think at this point, like, Greg doesn't necessarily believe it either, but he wants her to feel safe. So when they got to the beach house, he was, like, trying to teach her how to shoot. Uh, it was just, like, a, a pistol. He was trying to show, show her how to shoot the handgun. And it's in the shed. And they run into, like, this or boathouse is what it is. It's a boathouse for sure. Because it has one yeah, small door yeah. and one big garage door. Anyway, they go in the boathouse. And... This and they're everybody's freaked out except what well, Greg's not with them. Greg is outside. We don't know where he is. He's somewhere on the beach. And then this fucking thing busts a hole through the door, and then nobody else can see it. But then it turns into one of the creepy neighbor boys, and it starts crawling in towards them. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of it as the neighbor boy. Yeah, it was definitely the neighbor boy. Just he had like dark circles under his eyes. I think it was the creepy neighbor boy that like jerked huh. off to her, which was interesting. Like this like weird little predator. Like I don't know. I just thought it was weird that it was like I definitely didn't him. think it was. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. And then they sh- uh, so Jay shoots at it. And shoots it in the neck, and it falls down. 
but doesn't seem like it's dead. It gets back up. Mm-hmm. And it she, does like get impacted. Yeah, like, it does it, something. It looks like it, it did something, which is interesting too. Yeah. That like it's just like what is this thing at this point? Because mm-hmm. like it's not a ghost, it's not a demon. Like the fact that you can hurt it is really weird. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's something you haven't like. It's an interesting combo of being invisible to most people, but you can fuck it up in the physical world. Uh, Jay takes Greg's car. She's just leaving everybody behind. Yeah, and she's like, she I'm gets the, Yeah, she's out. She's like, fuck it. It's not going after them. So she's about to abandon these people without a vehicle in the middle of nowhere. But she's, so she's frantically driving. She's like crying. She's like freaking out. And then she ends up getting in a car accident as she's not mm-hmm. very far away. And we wake up. She wakes up in the hospital. And everyone is there including her mom now so this is like one of the few times her mom has shown up but it's like paul's there her sister kelly's there yar is there greg's there and her mom is there with her in the hospital and this we kind of mentioned this before on how effective a scary thing of and just a thing that looks like a person walking is but it really set in for me in this moment when she's laying in her hospital bed and she just hears someone walking towards her. And it just would make every moment of your life so scary because the most regular thing would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's just a nurse walking down the hallway. But the fact that that like she, and she just gets like and she gets like this defeated, terrified. Like you see, like she does some really good acting there where like the fear and the giving up and the crying at her situation was like really impactful. Because yeah, you. Yeah. Foot, footprints forever could murder you. Anyone could murder you. Nothing is safe anymore. Yeah. And you can't sleep. You can't yeah. ever sleep successfully, so yeah. you're just going to lose it. Yeah, and she doesn't know how long she's been asleep for. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. She or doesn't know how far is, away she so is. So how close yeah. is this thing? Yeah. She, so. she has no idea any of God. that. And we don't either, honestly. So mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty... So we're scared um, for her, too. Pretty good at putting us in her shoes. Then it takes a turn. So... Guys, she fucks Greg. She fucks she Greg, fucks baby. And uh, he, he's like, like, their sex scene, you can tell that even though Greg has, like, maybe, I think the idea that Greg didn't fully see what happened on the beach, mm-hmm. he thinks that they're yeah. just all freaking out and, like, getting into this fear together. Because while they're banging, she looks dead in the eyes, but he's like, he's, yeah, he's, like, grinning. He's, he's assessed the it. risk here, and he's decided it's worth it. Worth it. <laughs> And also turns out, and she later says, like, it's not a big deal to bang Greg. Like, we had sex in high school. Um, So that's also why I guess she picked Greg. And she also says later to Paul, who's very jealous. Paul wanted to be the one to get this this spiritual disease. (laughs) Um, He's like, why don't you trust me? And she's like, Greg isn't scared. And I already banged him, so who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Just rubbing dirt in Paul's Poor tiny Paul. little like, She's like, you never were inside this, and you ain't never gonna and, be. And Paul says some really lame shit. He's like, I could I could do it. I could take it. Like, he's basically like, but why Why can't I fuck you? <laughs> yeah. Paul. Yeah, he is kind of a weenie. Paul, leave this film. So, yeah. Something does come and get Greggy boy. What I thought... Is that she sees Greg walking up to her house at night, or to, his, to house. his house at night? It's just dark out, and he's walking on the street in like some boxer shorts, and starts banging on the door. 
shaking the door. Oh, I remember this now. Cody, that's totally not Greg. It's not Greg. Greg's huh. in the house. Greg is I'm... in the house. No, he's definitely in the house, but what yeah. she sees is Greg. I don't oh. think so. Oh. I, I do know I that see what you're asking She does now. start screaming, Greg, but I think it's just because she's frantic because mm. she realizes what's about to happen. Because it's this creepy guy with no shirt on that starts shaking the door and then breaks in the window so she knows what's going down. I don't think I recognize him as taking Greg's form here. I'm not sure. Yeah. Now I'm understanding what you were guys yeah. were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Either way, can be discussed a little bit later. Mm. Yeah, I we'll remember. So or she's open for interpretation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of this seems intentionally open ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sees this from her house, and mm-hmm. she she calls him right. Tries yeah, she to tries to call him, and he doesn't he pick up. Doesn't pick up, and eventually this figure throws the br- a brick or a rock. Breaks, the breaks window. Greg's window and starts to fucking slump inside. Yeah, dude, the way it just flopped its body inside yeah, the house yeah. was like so creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. like it has no respect for its physical form that it's yeah. in. It just pushes it into the building. It just flops its first half and flops its second half on broken glass. It's so yeah, creepy. That was cool. And uh, Jay runs across the street. She's going to, which is crazy because she knows that if it kills Greg, it's going to kill her right next. But she goes after it Mm -hmm. and she Mm -hmm. runs into the house. She goes into the house. Which is crazy. Jay, you fool. Um, And so she runs up to Greg's room, sees someone, a woman with her tits out, pounding on the door. I guess it looks like Greg's mom. Bazinga. And it's very disturbing. It just stares at Jay while it's like banging on Greg's door. Oh yeah, this is the part where you come at me. It's like where the viewer is now finding okay, if if it sees someone who used to be a target, what happens? And it looks at Jay like, oh god, is it going to change its mind and go to Jay? Nope. No, it doesn't care. Has to do it in order. Has to do it in order. That is the first time that we see it from the view of somebody that isn't the target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just definitely kind of like a what's going to happen scenario. And it is pretty, it's tense because I believe she stops knocking too. Yes, yes. So it's a significant knocking. pause. But then she goes back to the knocks. Ugh. And then Greg's like, what, mom? And it comes in and fucks him to death. It was weird. Do we want to talk more about, do we want to talk about the details of this like fucking him to death scene? Mm-hmm. I just thought, so one thing that I thought was interesting, so like as it was happening or like right after, I think we paused and Aaron was like, but it doesn't like, that was weird though. Cause the first dead girl had like the broken leg, but I thought in this, it was like grabbing Greg so hard that it looked like he was about to break his arms. Like, it's just like putting like all of its energy onto the person and mm-hmm. it's so, it's just, it's really intense. It makes me think that now that that first girl was fucked to death too. Yeah. And like, just the leg was a casualty. And yeah. Like grabbing. Yeah. I was going to bring that up later, but I wholeheartedly it's agree so with It's so upsetting. Concept. It's so upsetting because, yeah, as I was seeing it, then I was thinking about what happened to the first girl and it made me so sad and upset. And then I was like, what the fuck? Also, why did it turn into his mom to fuck him to death? That's weird. And yeah. it was intense. Mom's got um, a good pair of milkers. I mean, on her. yeah, sweet rack, but <laughs> still, it's your mom, dude. Yeah, it's just like an extra level of twisted. I don't know. And it's I like, oh it no, my like... mom has sweet cans. 
And then she bangs him to death. It's so upsetting. Boom. The, no more Also, bread. though, it does show the crotches, and it's not like... It doesn't look like he's inside of her. It's just, like, dry-humping yeah. him, sort of. Demon energy. I don't know. It's like demon fucking yeah. or something. I don't, I don't know. know. It was weird. It was more like to bang the, the energy out of his body than... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was upsetting. So, now... Greg's dead, which means Jay is now next on the list again. They do develop a plan. She doesn't really have a plan. She's like, well, I'm just going to probably die soon. And Paul's like, trust me. I got this. I've watched just the Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, trust, trust me. It's worse than Scooby-Doo. It's the Dude. dumbest stupid shit in the world. But They're he like, has an hey, idea. We're going to take all of the electronic appliances we can, go to a big pool, and we'll lure the thing into the pool. I think it's And then once horrible. it's in there, we'll throw all of the electronics in it. And it will definitely die. And then we save the day. We can take the mask off and find out that it was old man Jenkins <laughs> all along. And then he will say, hey, doggone it. If I would have gotten you stupid kids. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like, it was like a fun build. So yeah, they... Paul has this plan. He's like, do you trust me, babe? And she's like, oh, fine, Paul. I was just going to die, but okay. Ugh, Paul, I can see your boner. And I did. It is like a fun, like very teen movie moment where they're like plugging in all the things and getting all their extension cords. Also, and yeah, like kind of very Stranger things Another Yeah, like it is like actually. Precursor. So at first, so it's like feeling like kind of fun, hijinksy. They're going to take down the monster, you know, happy endings to movies. But then it gets way more real and upsetting again. So they're, the idea is that they're Jay. Oh, also, so like they went to down. I don't know. It seems like the setting is important. They are talking about how, because like you get the idea they live like in a suburb of Detroit. And now they're in Detroit, like maybe at an abandoned mm-hmm. school. So Jay then is just in the pool waiting for it to happen. Waiting for the monster. I like how the monster instantly is like, fuck this Scooby-Doo bullshit. Because their plan is to have her as live bait in the middle of a pool with all the electronics on the edge of this pool. And the monster gets there and just fucking throws throws the electronics into the pool. It starts throwing the stuff at Jay, and they're like, Mm -hmm. keep telling us where it is, keep telling us where it is, because they still have Greg's gun. I mean, it's a good thing your dumb fucking plan didn't work, or you would have just killed her immediately. Yeah, Yeah, she would have died in the pool. Also, I feel like even being a high schooler, you should realize that a blender in a, like, Olympic-sized pool isn't going to like it wasn't gonna just be the if, blender cody it was gonna be the no, five links like, the blender the tv all that of it taken at once. Some serious time this thing got a, shot in the throat and out. was like limping and fine that's true uh, you guys think a little zap is gonna do anything to this try- there's not much to work with paul, they're dealing with things beyond again, their understanding again paul is gun. just out of his depths here well, he's never seen it so they're like, Jay, keep pointing to it, keep pointing to it. So it's throwing shit like at her head, heavy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And so she, but she keeps like <gasps> jumping out of the water and pointing at where it is. And Paul is trying to shoot it. There's one bear. And also, so she, there, she won't, she's obviously scared of what it looks like. And her sister Kelly is like, what is it? Who is it? Who is it? She won't tell her. It's their dead dad. Mm-hmm. It's, so yeah, it's it's their dad. They show him in a portrait not too much earlier. So it's very scary too. This this like traumatic thing, and it seems like it's like a parent that fucks you to death as part of this monster's mo. 
Mm. I don't know. And anyway, there's this really spooky part, though, where they, they like, finally get a shot. Um, I think, I can't remember if it was Yara or Kelly. They throw, like, a sheet over the monster. Like, Jay is pointing oh, to where it cool. is. And so it's, like, just, like, classic ghosts. Like, ghosts in the sheet. And Paul is able to shoot it once. But he does shoot, miss the thing, and fucking oh, yeah, shoot. wing Laura gets, or whatever gets, gets Yara is. in the leg. Yeah, geez. It's very intense. Really biffs it. Paul, it's really Paul intense. almost kills her. He does, because he's just trying to shoot the monster. He's not paying attention to what else is in the room. Thanks, no one should have given Paul a gun. And, well, but Paul comes through, because then the monster does eventually jump into the water and go after Jay. I don't mm-hmm. think it jumps. I think it fell because it got shot in the head. Oh, that's right. It does. And so then it decides to go after, I guess, because it's like, oh, I'm it's already, already here. There. Yeah. I'm already here. I'll go mm-hmm. after her. And, yeah, it's super spooky, super scary. It, like, grabs her by the leg in the water. And Paul is just guessing it's a monster that he can't see. Oh, we get some underwater bullet action here. Oh, my gosh. so good. That was sweet. Just, like, zoom, zipping by. Paul, again, nearly kills his friend. Because he's never shot a gun before, but he's somehow going to shoot this monster that's invisible that has her by the leg. Inches away from Jay's head crazy that she's not dead but she somehow isn't he does nail a wicked headshot here he does and then this monster thing starts doing the end boss battle explosion and just starts bleeding but of course only jay can see it oh right oh can only jay see the blood Mm -hmm. Mm. only jay sees just like giant clouds because they say like what is it um, and then she looks in the pool, like, and that's when you see just like massive amounts. Of but it's just like, like so it's yeah. like it's so much blood that it's ominous. Like this is freaky. What happens next? Because yeah. like is it going to jump out? A thousand right gallons now? of blood. It's so mm. much blood. It's a disturbing amount of blood. Like inhuman. It's weird. It's really weird, and it gives you like a feeling not of satisfaction necessarily that this monster is dead, but maybe it's just getting more angry. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Who knows? But Jay seems satisfied. She bangs Paul. Yep. Paul finally gets his stupid pencil dick in her. <laughs> <sighs> and there's this one part. I don't remember when it happened, but there's this part where Paul is driving around. I don't know if it's before or after he finally has sex with Jay, but I think it was like part of his plan. You see that he like drives by some sex workers and it's is after. looking at them. Mm-hmm. And so you get the idea that maybe then Paul is trying to pass it on, and he does believe it, and he's but he's gonna like it's like it gives this other level of uncertainty because then it's like I know we shot it, but in the head, but I'm gonna try to pass it on still just in case. Yeah. yeah. There was another moment where it doesn't explicitly tell you that's what he's doing. It just is a quick like he's looking out his you car. You get the window. idea. The way that they yeah. had Jay and the Beach Boys. Yeah, like, it was just real quick. Like oh, okay. Um, of course, Paul has to pay for sex. <laughs> Stop it. I hate you. I think a sex worker is a good idea, though, because then the sex worker will probably pretty quickly have a turnover, Mm -hmm. and then that guy, and then maybe that person, well, you don't know if her turnover is, you know. It's not a bad idea. The next person's turnover is going to be high. Maybe if he has a wife. It's 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 a good way to get a few steps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then brings us to the last uh, uh, shot of the movie, which is um, Paul and Jay. Walking, holding hands, and... What she finally wanted. Yeah, and a figure 
walking behind him. You don't. It's is not, it a person? It's not stated. What's going on there? Is it a but, person? Um, is it a demon? There's a per- It's normal to have another person walk mm-hmm. on a sidewalk. Yeah, walk. it could just be a regular person. They're mm-hmm. always, always yes. going to be wondering until they die, I guess. Yes, it follows. Got David Robert Mitchell in the helm, writer, director, producer. Um, not s- too much else in the way of stuff that he's done. He mm-hmm. has he did a movie prior um, that he didn't write. He just directed and produced. Um, I don't even remember the name of it. Not there was a important. weird title of a movie that it was he like did. a teen movie. It, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and since has done one other movie, he did Under the Silver Lake in 2018. Um, oh. it's a drama. Um, I watched it a while ago. It was fine. Um, Does it feel at all like it follows? I didn't even realize it was the same director. Um, oh. Hmm. oh, interesting. Until I was doing my research, which I didn't do too much directly into what he's done. Um, I did find he did a Reddit AMA. Oh. which I thought was just like, hey, this is going to be Perfect. fantastic. And I did find a lot of cool stuff. Um, also, while I was looking on Reddit, of course, there were so many uh, Reddit threads on fan theories. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. uh, and both these things together kind of found me digging up information that I thought was pretty interesting. So I was going to start by kind of like talking about some theories and some potential um, plot points that uh, fans found and thought existed. Yeah, bring it on, stepmom. All right. So um, one of the big ones that a lot of people um, held on to was people thought it can only portray someone that it has previously infected. Ah, no. Mm, This is evidenced by... All of the victims, or all the people that it portrays, as being nude, in their underwear, and potentially distressed, slash beaten, um, or very worn individuals. Um, Hmm. The big tall guy has, like, very beaten eyes. Every single person is, or I think there might be one or two exceptions, but everyone is in sleepwear. Mm-hmm. Robes, um, naked. Shirtless, oh, Cody, one of them's underwear. a kid, though. Yeah, uh, mm. making a statement potentially on some sexual. Two of them abuse. are kids. What do you do? You buy into this after reading into it? Um, I, I actually I did until uh, the neighbor boy talk, which I wasn't entirely certain of. I also have a counterpoint. It might not necessarily be that the people... It could... I don't know. It is kind of interesting, the idea of the pajamas, just because maybe it comes at... Like, a lot of times that people are finally got by is when they're finally trying to rest. Yeah. Mm, I see But the implications of the little boys is sad, but also, why not in a movie like this? Well, it really put it past it in a way of saying that in a way that isn't gross like yeah. not mm-hmm. explicit that's what i mean 
Huh. So that his the guy's mom yeah. would have been yeah. infected. And also then? their father. Yeah. So they were saying that this has been something that's been existing for a long time. And father's dead. Also, yeah. the reason that maybe the next door neighbor lady was so judgy of their family, she banged that guy and then he killed himself or something. Or yeah. she's just like, maybe she has all this judgment because like, I don't know, she knew something was going on. So she tried to get a distance because there's also a thing that was going on in the movie that all the that our teen, like our older teens were all friends when they were kids. And we mm-hmm. don't know why they're not friends anymore. Could be that the mom and the dad, the next door neighbors, were having an affair, and then the distance, and she's like, you can't hang out with them anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'm cynical, but I feel like that requires too much mental gymnastics for what was shown in the movie. Yeah, because it's also just the idea is it could be anybody. And also a a big counterpoint is it appears as Yara on the beach. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When they they first see it on the beach. But... Mm -hmm. That leads to another theory that Yara has been infected. She's been mm. infected the whole time, and that's why there's a few. Um, Wouldn't few she be really scared dialogue. though? There's some dialogue where like she comes in, uh, Jay comes in, and says something along. It's like, "Of did you really see it?" And that was like some people pointed at that out as like, "Did you really see it?" That means that she might have seen it before and she's like looking for confirmation that someone else has seen it mm. but wouldn't yara be like i guess like the whole thing of like kind of yara's character is that she's just this aloof person she's kind of outside she's just reading her story all the mm-hmm. time she's not really connected to the characters very much she's always kind of in her own little clamshell but like the big seven foot seven person was behind her wouldn't she be oh. and even a little bit freaked out like fuck it's back it's coming I feel like that. I think she would completely. be. I think yeah. she would at least inadvertently have some fear seeing that thing walking out behind her. Counterpoint to the counterpoint. Just playing devil's advocate at this point. Yeah. But she didn't. She. I don't really remember what her face looked like as it passed her. She was just very aloof when she knocked on the door, and she. What if she saw? But it I don't coming? think it, like, I don't it might think not she'd have been waiting right friend. behind her that whole time. It yeah. might have been further down the. Yeah. I would think though know, that she like wouldn't want to stick it on her friend like that. Hmm. I don't know. Potentially, it's a, it's a I, yeah, theory. I, don't, I don't know. It's a it's a theory. Um, also, there's a lot of things with. Um, we we uh, definitely noticed that. There's all different kinds of time periods of, like, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something going around saying that the children are all from different time periods and that they're in some sort of, like, purgatory or um, they're just thrown together in this own world because, like, um, Yara's the only one that has, like, technology that's superior to present days, like having, like, a flip clamshell thing for reading or whatever, mm-hmm. or at least on par with present days. Um then as we go back, they kind of just have more time periody looking clothing, which to me was kind of like hokey, and I don't think it was super relevant. Yeah, I don't think um, so. I think it was just to add yeah. to like the discomfort. That reminds me of like because the, they mix them. Like the Rugrats are all dead, and they're yeah. all Angelica's <laughs> fucked up yeah. imagination. Yeah, because like our main girl Jay, she wears stuff from different time periods herself. Yeah. I think. and mm. it was definitely. Uh, it was definitely picking picking and choosing as I was going through different theories. Some of them were just really out there. There's one that's 
put it into like demon land and I was like this Ugh. is far fetched. I'm wondering when you were reading the AMA and maybe there's maybe he didn't really reveal this, but did you get the feeling that the director was like supportive that there's more to it? Or just like you For okay, certain. Whatever, I was gonna read nerds. the theories and I was gonna kind of read his thoughts okay, to okay. kind of like kind of bring some kind of closure on it. But um yeah. Um, yeah, then there's um, a lot of parallels that people drew between STDs and also sexual assault, um, which mm-hmm. I also feel like is not... I, obviously, it's there's there's a parallel because it's a sexually transmitted like monster. Yeah. But I don't really feel like it was intended to be a statement on like STDs or promiscuity. I feel like that's a little bit silly. Um, I feel like that's being too reductive as well. I don't feel like that was like, like I'm going to make a statement on people sleeping around. Let's make a movie. Mm, like yeah. that, no. that's that's stupid. That I don't feel like that was like. either of I, those were the things that it was really focused on. I do see how somebody could take it that way, though. I did. I was reading about the um, theories about this movie actually being about sexual assault and rape, and I thought that that. A lot of the points that they did make was pretty were a lot of them were pretty intriguing, especially with like the like evidence of it, like about you see that there's maybe this sense of like Jay feeling like a loss of innocence, and then although she does have the consensual sex, the way that it gets so aggressive afterward, and she's obviously traumatized, and then like this there was this idea that was presented that it was like she doesn't have anybody to talk to about it, and like the need to have someone believe you. And then their other mm. thing about it, too, was Paul as a person that just, like, w- a little scrawny boy Paul was, like, a person that wanted to understand it with her and was, like, the one person that was willing to actually, like, believe her and, like, face, like, that true thing with her and just, like, walk with her in that sadness and, like, get through that together. I thought that was kind of interesting. But, like, I don't know. I th- there was a lot more ideas that pointed to maybe this is about sexual assault. But no, and then the big thing, too, that they said was the fact that it's fear of a very mundane thing of, like, people walking around. So the idea of you don't, like, the fear that you will run into the person that assaulted you at any moment mm-hmm. or that, that someone else could do that to you again at any moment. And it can just, like, take a very regular scenario to one person make it terrifying to someone else. Yeah. And I thought that that was a pretty good theory that, in that way. I mean, whether you meant for that or not, there mm-hmm. are some definitely strong parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I agree that there's definitely parallels. I think there's, like, something in all of these theories. Um, mm-hmm. I think a perfect explanation of everything in the movie is super, super reductive thinking and shouldn't even be considered. Um, but I also don't... I think that not having... Or not thinking that the director has some concrete intentionality in his story is puts it completely devoid of any mystery because then it's just saying that everything just happens because it happens. I don't think mm-hmm. that's the case either. It feels too meticulous for that. Um I feel like looking at it in either extreme is kind of a bad thing. And yeah. I feel like this mm. is supported by his AMA. Um, I think it's supported that it's more than just, you know, just a horror movie. Because um, when asked about um, Hugh and asking, like, wait, wouldn't he have... How did he know 
all this stuff about the monster? How did he know it was coming for him? He said, specifically, he just, he made it, he never gave direct answers. He didn't, he didn't want to say, well, this is this way because of this. It was always kind of like one or two sentences. And he said, well, I think this infers a lot more about Hugh's backstory than what's presented. Mm. And that led to someone underneath giving three paragraphs on the person in the beginning is supposed to be one of Hugh's dates. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I can I see that. Which I think is definitely something that happened. Um, I thought maybe that was his high school girlfriend. Oh, I don't the think girl so. from the picture? I don't think so. Oh, you don't think that's her? No, I feel like, um, because how, I don't feel like that would be like a one time, then how did he, I feel like, okay, let's say that is true. Then how did he know that it was transmitted? Like I was just thinking, like maybe he's been he, dealing with this sleeper. for a long time, like since high school. Or I something. think he has. Been I think he was banging girls, and yeah. they're all dying, and so yeah. he's finally come to this drastic conclusion that he needs to, you know, chloroform the uh, J. Yeah, like, even if it is another girl. Well, I, even if it's, it's outside, such an extreme yeah. way to explain things to her, because I, I maybe now it's like he's tried five or six times to explain it to them, and they still didn't believe him. Yeah, and that's died. why he was living in that house with yeah. the cans and the bottles, because this is his safe place as he tries to bang another person. There was this one just general theory that I wanted to bring up while you're getting into before you get mm. into his answers, and there was one that was just like this one theory. So I was like, this is just about the idea of recognizing your mortality because there's like definitely this like coming of age sort of thing and growing up and I'm becoming an adult. And then they supported that too with, I can't, I don't have any quotes written down, but what um, Yara was reading in her clamshell and it was something about just kind of like accepting death and realize just you know realizing mortality and knowing that it's inevitable and the yeah, scariest that's, that's thing is the that it's inevitable that she was reading. oh yeah that's right that's that's and, the book that i was referencing the uh the idiot by yeah Boyarovsky. yeah is um, there just anything more about that or yeah yeah i was gonna get to that um it's basically about the that whole book has a lot with the certainty and looming presence of death um mm-hmm. so yeah you kind of already hit hmm. it oh um, I, sorry if, if you're going to get to this later, but is there, was there meaning to the silent or the old movies that they're watching? Um, I was going to get to it, but no, ah. <laughs> uh, uh, the killers from outer space has literally no connection at all. It's just like goofy people wearing, uh, egg cartons for eyes to make their eyes look bigger and <laughs> really nothing. The voyage to the planet of the prehistoric women, which is another one. It's a 1968 film. Um, it's about men that take a spaceship to Venus and they kill, a uh, some sort of like prehistoric bird. And that turns out to be like these prehistoric women's God. And they're all mad at them. They eventually end up escaping and getting away, and they accidentally leave like a destroyed robot, and then that becomes their new god. So really not any... Um, huh. The only thing that I could see there is maybe the relationship between the life-death cycle 
uh, and how I sex guess. plays a role in there. Maybe it almost like, sounds like mm-hmm. he just wanted to put in two movies that he he thought liked. Were funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I don't even think he liked them because they're very, very uh, regarded as shitty movies. <laughs> um, but back to the AMA stuff. He asked uh, another thing that was important was like people. Like, why did they use people? Why was a people mm. important? Um, is mainly he said specifically that it was it uses it uses the human form to particularly hurt or disturb people so mm. he was inferring that it was intelligent enough to know to have reason behind the people it's choosing it's not just like going through like a random roulette of like who am i bloop and that's where it is it actually mm-hmm. has the cognitive of fun- cognitive function to pick what it's being to disturb the person that it's appearing to, um, which could be seen by um, the boy, the boy when he's mo- he's his mommy. Um, other than that, there was he talked about how nudity is like a cultural thing. That's why they were nudes. That kind of might debunk the um, mm. that it's the that being evidence for it being people that have already been infected by it um and there was also to debunk yara it's he taught somebody mentioned something about like dude i was just so happy that it was just like a friendship thing and they all came together and he said um dot 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 only one of them is truly witnessing it and their friends are still coming together as a group to fight it so that discounts anything that would portray Yara seeing it at the same time as everybody uh, else. Yeah. Because uh, if only one person's seeing it, only one person's seeing it. Yeah. But in a lot of other questions to his uh, AMA, a lot of them he just said, I'm not going to say too much on this. I think this is a valid interpretation. And oh, he, said cool. that, he said that more times than he gave specific answers. So I do think... I feel like just theories give it more of a rich mystery feeling anyway. So I feel like no matter what, he's not going to discount them, but I do feel like it has, it's somewhere in the middle. It's, Mm. I don't think he ever had one concrete answer for all of these questions. And I don't think he didn't think about it at all. I feel like he kind of, as it was coming together, he let the images of the film do the speaking and sometimes that brought about specific answers and sometimes it does didn't um yeah that's just like how you make art too and you like want to hear what other people think about it so a lot of times it might be it's not at all your intention but like fuck is that's how it related to you sure Mm -hmm. take it yeah yeah and i think the last thing that i wanted to talk about was just the t.s Eliot uh poem um that's over the scene in the classroom with that the teacher's Mm, speaking and she's just looking out Tell us about that. Um, so the T.S. Eliot poem is basically about a man that's just completely crippled with indecision and insecurity. Um, it's just constantly filled with like self-doubt and other sorts of things. But what this is causing him conflict in is he cannot, for the fucking life of him, communicate a romantic or sexual desire that he has for this person. And he keeps going back about, like, should I, like, trying to figure out how to word it. Or he, even in his fantasy of how he wants it to work, it doesn't work out. And that's right when 
uh, he talks about Lazarus and coming back from the dead. And that's when you see the woman walking across. So I feel like there's mm. an interesting concept there that's being paralleled with not necessarily Jay, but I think it itself coming back from the dead and being this sort of like almost unthinking uh, like solution to that is instead of being indecisive, having one sole purpose of going after and feeding on that. Mm. So it's a counter to the super indecisive being one decision. Yeah. Like one, yeah, that, one motive. That's kind of how I read it is it seemed more of like the complete opposite because mm. in the entire poem, he can't even figure out how to, he doesn't talk to this person. It's basically his inside mental state of just kind of wanting to talk to somebody. Hmm. So also reminds me, I haven't read the poem. But that kind of sounds like Paul a little bit. Paul is a bitch. Um, and yeah, maybe in the Lazarus, like the old lady, maybe she's dead and, and it is bringing her back to life, sort of, at least physically. Yeah. A lot of stuff there. Um, there was, I saw that at least the concept of just the person, the, the, the being following you was just from a freaky dream he had too. Yeah. yeah. That was a, one of the first things I saw. Yeah. And that's kind of. And he just wanted to put this crazy, creepy dream. Like he saw, like how creepy it was, and wanted to put it in a movie. That's I, Cody. You mentioned the two different spectrums of all these fan theories, or just what's there is it. Yeah. I I agree that it's somewhere in the middle. But if I were to put my personal dot, my opinion, I lean more towards what what's on the screen. And like That's the fair. rest of it came off of interpretations of of uh, a very artistically produced movie, but yeah, they'll. I think my my thought against that would be there were many times where people would ask about specific shots and say like, "Hey, I saw like this in the background. Does this mm. mean anything?" And he would never say for certain, but he'd say. On, on at least some shots, he wouldn't say this every time, but he'd say, like, I will tell you that in this scene, every shot was very, very particular about how things were positioned and the camera work and the colors mm. of things or something like that. Like, it okay. was, he would say, like, things were very, very particular, which makes me feel like there, there is, is a lot more. There, there's the more surface. than what's on screen, but not enough so that anyone else could come to it. Uh, no one could watch it and go and maybe piece things together and come up with his answer. I feel like he, yeah. it's deliberately mm -hmm. hidden. That's pretty cool. So, there's a lot of fan theories on what this movie is actually about, but in the quick description, this has been referred to as that STD horror movie. So, Ugh. when I was doing my research, I was just trying I was trying to find just like something, maybe like an interesting story about like an STD breakout or maybe a murder related to STIs or something like that. But so I found something and it's actually has a weird personal connection to my life. So, Ugh. no, <laughs> you'll see. Not, not in that way. Not in that way. Gross. <laughs> not in that way. Hey, we're trying to, okay, get rid of the stigma with these things. But okay. um, no. So I accidentally stumbled upon when I was trying to find something, a song that I know. 
And actually, let's just let's just play a clip of the song. Throughout history, there have been many songs written about the eternal triangle. This next one tells the story of a Mr. Grayson, a beautiful woman, and a condemned man named Tom Dooley. Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang. So this song, Tom Dooley, which was uh, like officially put on the record and hit the charts in 1958 by the Kingston Trio, I knew, I was like, what the fuck, Tom Dooley? Because I knew this song because this was a song that my mom would sing to me at bedtime. Creepy. <laughs> and I remember the first time she was like, Mom, that's weird. And she was like, no, nah, it's nice. And then I was like, okay, it's nice. Um, so she's, when you're a little kid, she's like, you stabbed her with the knife. Yeah. <laughs> but the way she sang it, it was very soothing. Because it's a very soothing tone to it. So this song... Oh is, uh, turns out it's, like, part of a whole genre of sweetheart murder ballads. It's, uh, it's mm. a, it's a genre of song, it's just, like, it's a folk song that, there was a lot of folk songs that then later got recorded. So, this one was recorded by the Kings and Trio in 1958. It's about, it's actually, it's about a true story, though. Uh, the 1866 murder of Laura Foster in the Happy Valley of North Carolina. Um... It was from the Kingston Trio's first album. Sold three million copies. Reached uh, number one, the Billboard Hot 100. And according to Wikipedia, at one point it was ranked 198 in the Billboard all-time charts. But I looked that up, the more recent one. Right now, I just wanted to add, at 198 is Night Visions by Imagine Dragons. I just thought that you would like that, Aaron. But anyway. Thunder. up. So, mer- yeah, so it was a it was a folk song that did originate in the late 1800s because it was like a juicy story, and we'll get to why it was so juicy, but um, it was, the song was learned by the Kingston Trio by this guy named Frank Warner. His thing was collecting folk songs that hadn't been published or trademarked. It seems like it was kind of a scummy thing. He would, like, take folk songs, Just but then he would... Just money off of them? Pretty much. Um, but, and so there was actually kind of a legal battle over who actually had the rights to the song because Frank Warner got it from this guy who knew a lady who knew these people. So it's just like this, there's this weird thing. And they were kind of just like, like using these traditional these songs if they're hundreds of years yeah, old. Yeah, they're like these traditional, or a hundred years old. There's traditional folk songs. This one, uh, Appalachian, um, but these traditional folk songs that people ended up making money off of like in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Someone's got to do it. But someone's got to do it and it was very, very popular. That's what Disney did, right? Yeah. And it got really popular and people loved it. Um, but so, yeah, Tom Dooley, uh, actually it's spelled, the real Tom Dooley is spelled D-U-L-A. Turns out it's actually pronounced Dooley. It's this weird Appalachian thing or like Southern thing of pronunciation. Like that is like A pronounces an E like the, um, a Grand old Opry. Oh. It's that kind of, I guess that's like a thing oh, in weird. some specific kind of Southern speech. But anyway, that's just a weird thing. His name is actually pronounced Tom Dooley. They just spelled it different so people would understand. D-U-L-A is how it was. Yeah. But that's just a little little note. But Mountain so, Trash, the A makes the A sound. <laughs> but so Tom Dooley, 
He was described at a, as a ladies' man and a libertine. He, what is a libertine? Eh, it's like a dude that sleeps around. Oh, sick. Likes to party and bang chicks. <laughs> I thought this was going to be like a progressive thing. No. It's no, he uh, fought in the Civil War for the Confederacy. He was oh, definitely not a progressive. So, yeah, One way that he was progressive, though, he was like, it was really surprising for the time and for his background, like growing up in like North Carolina, being a soldier, he was literate, which was very strange. And he played a mean banjo, which led to oh, a... nice. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get, his banjo comes back up. Hmm. So, Tom Dooley, he grew up next to these this family, the Fosters. He had a long relationship with all the girls in the Foster family. The longest relationship he had was, so remember, the girl that was murdered was Laura Foster. He had a long, throughout his childhood, relationship with her cousin, Anne Foster. Um, and then also Anne she'll, had a sister named Perlene. We'll get to her later. Anyway, he was like, they got caught, apparently, like, Tom and Anne got caught having sex when he was, like, 12 and she was 14. They had a, they were just, it was the 1800s, whatever, things were different, but they had a long time, long time off and on sexual relationship. Anne ended up getting married a couple years before he went to the war, but he came back a war hero. Anne got married to an older guy, but Tom came back and she was like, Tom, look at that. Look at that uniform. And they started fooling around again. But Tom was also probably, he was also fooling around with her cousin Laura. Because he's like, Anne's officially taken. I need a wife too. So he starts fooling around with cousin Laura. What a libertine. Libertine indeed. (laughs) And it was believed that they were going to elope. And actually that's what people thought she was going to do on the day that she disappeared. May 25th, 1866. She told people that she was going to meet up with Tom, and people thought they were going to go off and get married. But Tom was around, and she didn't come back home. So, suspicions quickly went to Tom and Anne. Tom was because, a few reasons, but one of them was he was going around town talking about how he was going to get revenge on whoever gave him the pock, which was slang for syphilis. Oh, Nice. He would do them Jody in. Jody Foster, you <laughs> coos. And Can so, we say coos? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So it was believed. So like some one theory was like Tom thought that he got syphilis from Laura. So then, and then he gave it to Anne, and then that would have got Anne in trouble. So now he's mad because Laura gotten him in a heap of a mess. So he murdered Laura for revenge. That was one theory. Another theory, though, so there was a doctor, there ended up being a court hearing, the doctor said, in court, that doesn't make any sense. Because not only did Laura and Anne and Tom have syphilis, so did Sister Perlene. And I treated Perlene first, so he probably got it from Perlene, and he gave it to all the gals. So I don't think this revenge plot makes any sense, or he would have killed Perlene. Also, I know this is crazy, this is a lot of names, but it's worth mentioning just because, found out... They used to treat syphilis with what they used to call blue mass, which was a mercury-based medicine. Nice. Blue mass. Blue mass. I like that. Yeah. It's it's, it sounds like it's medieval, a, but it was just sounds 1800s. Sounds like a metal album or something. Yeah, yeah. So there's also suspicions, though. So there's suspicions towards Tom. There's also a lot of suspicion towards Anne. Um, one reason was when they found Laura's body... There was a handkerchief there. And this guy, Bob Grayson, he was like, that's Anne's handkerchief. Anne did it. 
there's also suspicion towards Anne. Because so Anne and Perlene, they fought all the time. And somebody overheard them having a fight. And Perlene, in the argument, said she's going to tell everyone what Anne did to Laura. And the cops are like, what? So they're also looking into Anne. Perlene cracks under pressure very quickly. Of course. That's <laughs> classic Perlene. they come to question Perlene, she immediately took them to the body. Ugh. Um, Pearl. So then, so one of the connections was this maybe STI thing, murder. But another weird thing, though, is that when they did, this is sad, when they found Laura's body, both of her legs were broken. Kind of like the girl Ooh. on the first scene. Both of her legs were broken, and I think her legs were starting to stick out of the ground because it was a very shallow grave that she was buried in. Oh. Yeah. 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 So... I'm gonna smell. So there was some suspicion that maybe Anne was actually jealous that Laura was getting her longtime boyfriend. Maybe she found out about Laura because she's like, where'd we all get the syphilis from, Tom? <laughs> And so she figured out that he was banging Lorix all the syphilis. God. And that's why she was mad at Perlene, because she started the syphilis. It's probably Tom, honestly. He probably just gave it to all the gals. But anyway, so one theory. So although Tom was the one that was ultimately found guilty for this crime, there's been a lot of suspicion that it was actually Tom, that, that Anne, that murdered Laura. And Tom just helped her bury the body because he's a nice guy and he's always loved Anne. Even though it's really mm. creepy that maybe it was like his loving thing for Anne. I don't know. He just wanted to protect his girlfriend. Okay. Another idea too. Um, so yeah, when Tom was tried for it, he would not give anybody else up. His lawyer told him. just He just tried to ask any questions about any of these women to try to get any evidence that Tom didn't do this. He wouldn't answer one question about the women. He just kept saying he didn't do it, but he wouldn't say any of his relationships with these people. Again, probably trying to protect Anne, who did have a husband that would maybe divorce her and leave her destitute, so he didn't want to screw her over. He already gave her syphilis. He he already gave her the pock, so he didn't want to screw her over even more. So I think it was maybe this, like, final act of love from Tom to Anne to protect her after he murdered his fiance. It's a whole mess. Hmm. A lot of I'm also, losing the motives. Yeah, I don't really... I don't know what's going on in their heads. It's probably that Anne murdered Laura and Tom was just taking, taking the heat for it. Anne murdered Laura because... Laura it, was going to marry Tom. And, and Anne didn't like Tom. it. Tom must have been packing. I'm guessing so. He played a mean banjo and he was literate and he was a veteran. I mean... All good things. All good things, especially in 1866. So, he he was eventually found guilty. Anne was also put up for, like, was tried for this crime. Was found not guilty. I don't know. A lady couldn't, little lady couldn't do that. But Tom mm-hmm. sure could. And he was, like, weirdly chill about the whole thing. Like, on, so on his way to his execution, he was riding in the wagon, sitting on top of his coffin, playing the banjo and singing songs. That's bad. On the way to his execution. Hell he also yeah. made a joke to the sheriff, when the sheriff was about to hang him, he said, I would have washed my neck if I had known you were such using such a nice, clean, new rope. Oh, my god! Just joking around. Tom, you could see Tom like had it. a lot of charisma. He did. And that's why he's such a libertine. Way to, um, way to die. <laughs> and then at the very end, his last words, before he was to be hung, he raised up his right hand and said, Gentlemen, do you see this hand? Do you see it tremble? Do you see it shake? 
I never heard a hair on that girl's head. Dead. Whoa. So, this trial was highly publicized, hence the folk song that came from it. As mm-hmm. mentioned, it's very juicy. There's a banjo playing veteran. There were secrets. There's a love triangle, if not a square or a rectangle. There's also a, there was syphilis. There's also a rumor that Laura was actually pregnant when she was killed. That hasn't been proven. But also, that added hot goss. Dig her up. How, we could, it, how could it be proven at this point? Yeah, I think it might have just been another layer of gossip to try to prove that, like, maybe Tom didn't want that baby or maybe mm. Anne wanted to kill her because she's pregnant with the love of her last baby. And, yeah, so that's the story of Tom Dooley. It's just, you know, kind of loosely connected, but with the, the death because of uh, STI and, like, uh, the love triangle, the connected people, the broken I legs. I think it counts. I yeah. think there's a lot of good connections. Yeah. And I'm continually impressed that you're able to find some weird murder that <laughs> happens to do with these horror movies that we're watching. <laughs> and a musical <laughs> twist. Yeah. And it relates to my childhood. It's really got it all. Good stuff. Tom Dooley. The Tom Dooley. Libertan. Mm-hmm. Banjo playing Libertine. I like it. Um, Impressive. So, you want to hear about another libertant? Libertu? Li- libertine? Lay it on me, Papa. Hmm. Let's get liberal. <laughs> so, thank you, Sloan, for giving us a uh, story of Tom Dooley. Wonderful find. And, and so, we're slasher tracks after all. Let's talk about the tracks. And more specifically, let's talk about the man behind the tracks. Um, so... It follows. Um, the soundtrack was by an artist that goes by the name Disaster Piece. Hell yeah. As in Disaster P E A C E. Disaster Piece. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think it's easier to understand this soundtrack by kind of getting a little bit of a backstory of what other stuff this guy does. This guy, um, is, uh, real name is Richard Vreeland, V-R-E-E-L-A-N, an interesting name. He's 33, he lives in Staten Island, um, his genre of choice, chiptune. For the non-nerds out there, if there are any that are tuning into Slasher Tracks podcast, chiptune is essentially video game music. Beeps yeah, I'm not boops. a nerd. I didn't know that. Uh, like, literally, they hack Game Boys and mm. use them to make synthesized sounds. Um, oh, yeah, that's really nerdy. Yeah, no. Um, Gucci, we listened to a bit of them. They have a lot of chiptune elements, but there's a little more going on there. Um, but so, anyway, that's his core, I guess, how he started. Um, he has six albums, eight EPs, but his 39 soundtracks. Um, and, uh, not a lot of movie soundtracks. He has video game soundtracks and he was crushing just a ton of shitty video game soundtracks. Um, for example, there was a game called 360 sharks (laughs) that he did the music for 360 sharks. I've never played that one. Um, and, um, his big break was while he was working on a game for the Xbox Live Arcade Shoot Mini Robots. Unfortunately, I never got around to that game either. At nights, after working on this all day, at nights he was working on the soundtrack for a beloved indie game 
called Fez. Have you heard of Fez? Wait, have I? It sounds familiar. I think I know why you've heard of it. Um, and Cody, I assume you've you know at least a little bit about Fez. That's about it. I know a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll. This is this was his big break. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Um, Fez. It's uh, it's an indie game. Uh, it's a 2D platformer in a 3D world. There's a character that gets a Fez that lets him kind of see into another dimension which lets him see the 3d parts blah 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 but the reason that fez made a big splash Mm -hmm. is because of the guy that made it and the development cycle and it was a nightmare and the guy that made it is a nightmare himself um and so it took five years to make this game and it was documented as part as one of the plots of the documentary indie game the movie Oh, that's why I knew it. Was uh-huh. it that one and like they talked about Super Meat Boy? Super Meat Boy yes. and Fez. Yep. Um, so this guy, I didn't even write his name. He's a real doucher. Um, his last name is Fish. I know that. So um, this guy was insufferable, and that was a big part of that movie and a mm. big part of what made Fez. Uh, it, it was part of, I don't know, internet culture. The lore um, of the game. Yeah. Um, so Fez uh, was announced in 2007 way back in 2007 um, while this guy had a different job and it was nominated for some awards and his employer wouldn't let him take off work to go to this thing to get the awards so he disaster quit. piece no or uh, fish fish okay yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about fez right now. okay um so he quit and went indie uh, um, in the documentary uh, he resolves to kill himself if he doesn't release the game that's a highlight um He's gonna, so, he's just this eccentric asshole way up his own, and it's a game filled with secrets and, and mm-hmm. puzzles and mysteries, because he's so smart. Oh um, gosh, you really hate me. Uh, he's gonna make a sequel, too, because the game did really well, and it was ported to pretty much everything at the time. Um, you can get Fez on your iPhone. Um, mm. um, he was gonna make a second game, but then he got into a Twitter fight with a guy from GameTrailers.com. Oh and he God. said, Fez 2 is canceled. I am done. I take the money and I run. This is as much as I can stomach. This isn't the result of any one thing, but the end of a long, bloody campaign. You win. That's it. In 2013, he disappeared from the gaming world. There is no Fez 2. He there fully will never disappeared. Be, there will never be a Fez 2. Um, I didn't choose to look more into the fish because he seems like a jackass. Yeah. Um, uh, I just wanted to explain the relevance of Fez yes. here and why doing the soundtrack for Fez brought disaster piece from doing 360 sharks to yeah. doing it follows. Yeah. Um, That's so crazy. even though, even though Fez is a game that looks really, you know, pixel arty um i guess you haven't seen it but it's it's an indie game you know indie games like doing that pixel art shit no i thought it was a stylized thing Um, and it's pixel but it's 3d or something yeah but he he actually didn't really do a lot of chiptune stuff with it and instead went for like an 80s synthesizer Mm. sound um that's what and and listening to that you can hear the it follows soundtrack for sure very similar sounding things um, there's a couple techniques that I don't want to bore you with, but there's stuff like bit crushing, which brings the bit depth of a sound down to just fucking nothing until it sounds like, you know, when you hear like an old arcade game and 
Yeah. You can't really hear the voice very well because it's been crushed down to fit on the cartridge. He uses techniques like that. And, the, um, and so here's, here's the interesting part um, that I wanted to talk about, something that I didn't really know about. So, like I said, Fish is way up his asshole. Mm-hmm. And he hid a bunch of secrets about the game. And it's like, people haven't even found all the secrets yet. Um, and so, in that, in that theme, there are secrets in the soundtrack. Mm. Visually. There's hidden Ooh. images in the spectrograms of these songs. Are you guys familiar with spectrograms? I no. am. It's, uh, you might know more than me then. Um, it's some way of analyzing the waveform into a kind of a visual pattern. Yeah. And... Essentially, what you can do here is you can, let's say you download an image, mm-hmm. you turn it into a black and white image, and then you run it through a program, and it turns that image into a sound, which essentially sounds like an alien transmission, just kind of like, and then okay. you just mix that in with your soundtrack, and then when you do the spectrometer of that, you uh, see pictures in it. Okay. And oh, this, that's so wild. He, in the soundtrack for Fez, you can see... Neil Armstrong's footprint, huh. uh, a Harry Truman portrait, Salvador <laughs> Dali's crucifixion, Corpus Hypercubus, a guy named Terry O'Quinn from the show Lost, okay. uh, and a QR code that contains 10 four-digit numbers, probably dates. Um, and there's also Jesus Christ. Um, That's insane. This it's crazy. It's it's ridiculous. Um, it's also something um, that was done in the viral marketing for Dark Knight Rises. At one point before oh, really? that came out, you went to darknightrises.com, or you went to whatever Batman, um, and no one knew what the, the movie was called yet. Um, and then when you when the nerds analyzed the, the audio clip, you could see Dark Knight Rises in it. That's and that's how they found that's it out. wild. Fucking nerds. <laughs> Um, so spectrograms, that was a fun little thing about Fez, but yeah, like I said, you could hear his synthy sound that he twisted into a horror version in It Follows, and, um, he was actually asked to do the soundtrack for It Follows based on the guy liked his music in Fez, Hmm. specifically. Um, and that's that's how he did that. Um, and he's gone on to do a couple more movie soundtrack. Cody, you mentioned a movie that that director did, uh, Lake Silver Lake. Yeah, yeah, uh, Under Silver Lake. He did the soundtrack for that too. He did. I um, did mm-hmm. not look into it. Cool. Um, I have been listening to nothing but uh, but but disaster piece for the last two days. Uh, yeah, that was uh, there's one album that is his music that was uh, repurposed for piano, and it's really cool. Hmm. Um, I I was listening to the soundtrack while drinking a bunch of coffee to try to wake up at work because it's Monday, and I'm just getting stressed out and feeling like there's people behind me. <laughs> um, so um, after Fez, uh, he did the game Runner Two. I don't know if, if you've played that one, Cody. It's a it's a fun game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Uh, it's a big, big game that. that people like, um, and that company is making another game called Solar Ash that was just just announced a couple weeks ago or a week ago when we watched that PlayStation Five stream. Um, but um, 
I want to talk about two projects that he did that were pretty cool. Um, he did the music for Adventure Time, uh, Bad Jubies, the episode that's Claymation. Mm. Ah, that's very cool. And the concept of that episode was that there is a storm, a big angry storm, and um, Jake ends up recording nature sounds and beatboxes over them to calm the storm. And so to make this music, he just said he had a, a bunch of friends just send him weird samples, including nature sound effects, and he made the music out of that. Hmm. That one's a little less listenable outside of the episode, <laughs> but uh, still pretty cool. Um, uh, just was, it's always cool to find connections to shit that I really like on these people that I hadn't heard of until we watched this movie. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, there is one that I'd like you guys to visit the website right now. Actually, first, let me see if you can get this first. Okay. There's a project of his called Crimson Tooth. Okay. Um, what's another name for Crimson Tooth? Think band. Red Fang! Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Redfangheadbang.com It is the most ridiculous-looking webpage that I've seen in a while. Wait, what does this guy have to do with this? I'll get there. Okay. Red Fang oh Headbang Type your is... Number? I recommend everyone, if you are not driving your car or something, you can Google this on your phone. You should go to... What is this? Just... Redfangheadbang.com. So yeah. Red Fang, um, if you're not a metal guy, um, it's like a stoner rock metal band. Um, they're a lot of fun. Their music videos are just about drinking a ton of beer and getting into shenanigans. And this video is... Um, Similar and ridiculous. Um, this is an interactive video. Oh. It was also an app. It, and it's trying to get you to download it now. Unfortunately, it's been taken off already. But oh. the concept is you headbang. Physically, you headbang to charge up the meter to help these guys fight off these bad guys. And it's done in like a retro 18, 16-bit style. So Disaster Piece did... Like the intro cutscene music and the outro credits music. Oh. And in the middle, it's the Red Fang song. Oh, cool. Um, and it looks as ridiculous as this webpage looks. It's They get an invitation written in black metal. Like, Duh, do any of you speak black metal? <laughs> and uh, Matt Pike from High on Fire, this shirtless guy that is very respected in the community... Um, it's him with the text like Red Fang has been kidnapped. Are you metal enough to save them? Headbang and fulfill the prophecy. And oh wait, I've heard of this. I've heard of this game before. Yeah, the music video is pretty much just looks oh. like you playing the game. So and is it this guy? Uh, this guy's music is also in the music video, or is it yeah. just in the mm -hmm. game? In the oh, music video, okay. while they're like driving the van to and the venue, it's playing what's the like the music video that people could watch. Um, the music video is for the Red Fang song called Antidote. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's something they can do because the app's not around, but they can go. They don't can watch even buy the app. You get all the joy from the app out of watching this video. It even shows the headbang meter on the side. Okay. Um, and that's so um, it's it's them just like playing to a bunch of mutants, and there's a bunch of gore. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And this. um, at the the boss fight is Brian Posehn's giant head on a robot spider. Yeah. Um, 
and then you blow them up, and uh, then it plays Disaster Pieces retro outro, and then it says, like the classic required at the time of these arcade games, winners don't do drugs. And then Red Fang says, unless you just did. Wait, was that a thing in games? Yeah, uh, uh, in uh, I think early 90s, it was legally required to put winners don't do drugs. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's real. Um, Okay. And that was such a wonderful connection to find. Yeah. Crimson Tooth. I I clicked Crimson Tooth because it was the most uh, modern thing on his band camp. Like it was 2019 or something. Um, and I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Um, what, what crimson tooth, red fang. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And this is an incredibly entertaining music video. It doesn't have a lot to do with disaster piece, but it was pretty cool. Hidden noises in it. Yeah. So disaster piece, it's this guy comes from a chiptune background, does a lot of eighties synth sounds, um, able to use that to start to do soundtracks for movies uh it worked and it worked in horror i believe he's done a couple other horror movies that i would like to check out i really like this guy's music yeah we we talked about it a little during the the main episode here but yeah it was you know stranger things kind of synth but with real stressful elements to it and big booms and this is a good time i've listened to the soundtrack three times now um wow, wow. Yeah, kind of weird, um, but uh, it's it's good stuff. Disaster Piece is one of my favorite uh, musical connections that we've found so far with Slash Yeah, it's got a lot of connections with stuff that you already knew, too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We had, we had Fez, we had Adventure Time Bad Jubies, the 3D, or the Claymation episode, and Red Fang's Antidote music video. Yeah, Damn. very cool. Impressive. So that's... That's uh, Disaster Piece, uh, the soundtrack guy from It Follows. And that's about all I've got. Um, I loved It Follows. I thought it was one of, really my, one of my favorites out of modern horror movies. And partially because of the music. But yeah, that was It Follows. Um, Fantastic film. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, and I also recommend uh, checking out Disaster Piece. Uh, if you guys have any other closing comments here? I feel like we've covered it all. I just also liked it. And if you like that clip of the song Tom Dooley, check out the whole thing. I don't know. <laughs> if sure. you like weird, sad country songs. If you want to dig into uh, why uh, why the movie is the way it is, look into that Reddit AMA yeah. or other uh, nerds arguing about it online. I think it just it's it's rich with uh, interpretation, and uh, I think you know anybody could find something they like in it. Yeah, can't say enough good things about it. Follows. Yeah. Well, uh, I know this has been a little on the short side here, but I think we're gonna call it. Um, so this has been Slasher Tracks. I'm Aaron. I'm Sloan. And I'm your stepmom. I'm here. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. I live on a farm and we shoot pumpkins out of trebuchets. We make a trebuchet every year. I cannot stop. Little people. Big pot.